Welcome to Attempting Murder Podcast. Attempting Murder is a monthly podcast reverently dedicated to the Morgan. We hope you will join us as we come together in this space to commune with each other and to build connections with the greater community. We come not just as crow women, but as spiritual humans making sense of and finding meaning in our lives. Hey folks, welcome to Attempting Murder. This is episode five in which we initially started talking about spring, just in general. Um, as things go sometimes, both the current crisis world over with the COVID-19 and Mercury in retrograde and just a lot of stuff going on and everybody hears life. Somehow or other, we managed to lose the first half of our show, which we recorded one day for as long as we could sneak it into our schedules and then came back to it another day to do more. And somewhere in the mix, we lost the first half of the show. So I am going to present you with the last half of the show for last month, which is March. Sans that first half, I thought about trying to go back and made a couple recordings of a summary and just decided it sounded silly and I wasn't going to do it. So instead, I'm giving you the March episode finally late. Yes, I know, uh, halfway through April already. And in another week, we'll be doing the Spring Equinox, I realize. But this is our March episode, and it is going to be basically entitled Warts and All, because I also decided after going through and listening to it, I could do some edits, but I don't really feel like it needs a ton of edits. It is us in a very raw and unfiltered form. There are going to be ums and ahs. We use our real first names in a couple of places. I'm just going to leave it as it is, as we are. I think all of us right now going through what we're going through realize that there are sometimes more important things than worrying about the small stuff. So I'm just going to leave it there and I'm going to put this together to share with you all. So as we go on, you're going to, it's going to be a little disjointed because we're going to start with a conversation that's basically mid conversation from our last, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. I think it's a really good episode. I think it's um, got some useful information and I can't wait to get to work on our spring equinox episode, which will follow shortly. Thank you. For folks um, that are listening, we had a couple days off in between our last taping. There's been a lot going on, I, which I mentioned on Twitter. And if you're not following us on Twitter, you should. Um, wanted to just say, I since then, I have had an opportunity to do a little lore geeking with some people outside of our little triad. And one of the things that was discussed, because I brought up this issue of sovereignty and fertility and the relationship between the Morgan and the, and the Dogta. And one of the things that was arrived at in our conversation is that one, that that story of that tryst between the Morgan and the Dogta in the battle of Moitura is pretty many, many faceted. And there's lots of ways to read what is happening in that, that little scene. And while I pose the question in this with these other folks about maybe these deities being much older than what, you know, we're talking about something like Newt and Geb um, from 
Egyptian mythology. And we all kicked the ball around a few times. And what we really came up with is not so much that, but it is definitely, there's definitely a polarization between the Morrigan and the Dagda in terms of two forces that are pretty primal to Celtic worldview. And those are between battle and bounty. And that they represent really in this several things. And one is the first layer I'd like to discuss is just that in those, in that, in that context, the distribution of labor between men and women was far more equitable than what we live in today. So women were warriors, men were warriors, women were cooks, men were cooks, like everybody did whatever needed to be done for the Twatha, right? For the tribe. So there is one to note that they're having this tryst and as a couple talking about their shared burdens and how to approach the troubles of life as equal partners, which I think is, one of the things I like best about that story is that there's this homey uh, intimacy between the two characters in this event where they make love and then they talk about what's going on in their life right then and how to how to move forward. Like any number of us might have with our partners after a, a particularly sweet um, lovemaking session, like we look for those times that, that let down after the pillow. Yeah. The pillow talk and the, and the, and the intimacy and the sharedness and the, and that is part of that. But then there's also the conversation about that, that balance or that underlying layer in the story about bounty versus battle or battle versus bounty. And that being so integral to the Celtic worldview. And one of the things that was brought up was brought up by Morpheus Ravenna. And she talked about how, what an interesting way to look at that conversation between the Morrigan and Dagda there, because it also underpins the Morrigan's prophecies in the battle of Moitura, which are bounty and battle. The, continual cycle of destruction and creation. Yes. And so this little vignette between her and the Dagda is sort of like another layer of that, that didactic between the necessity to find equilibrium and peace, but then understanding and the necessity of being prepared to tear it all down to create something better or mm-hmm. to fight to keep it. So like there's this interesting, even within that whole composite of the story of the Battle of Moitura, that those things, um, those those scenes and the two prophecies sort of reinforce each other in terms of that being a very strong part of what we get from those two deities in general in Celtic in the stories is that the dog represents bounty and humor and sexuality and the Morrigan represents uh, warriorship and fighting and protection. Right. And um, a call to arms. That's really, so like you have this and that those two being partners really puts that fulcrum in, uh, into a place where we can really, it's really a useful place to dialogue it from understanding that that is the nature of life really is that yeah. rough times and good times and being 
giving yourself over to the ecstasy of the good times and not being afraid to take up arms when you need to during the bad times. Like there's this beautiful interplay of the two of them as deities. And then then that is shown clearly by their individual episodes in the Battle of Moitura and other places in the stories, but also when they come together, that, that, that theme, those themes are running and that those that energy of battle versus bounty or battle and bounty, that, that, that balance is implicit in their relationship as well. So it's like everywhere there, like it's all underpinned and it all like ties together in this really interesting and intricate little weave that when we read the stories, you know, and we really think about them, we can kind of pick that right. You know what I mean? It comes out. So that was just something I wanted to add as like a little, abut it to what we were talking about earlier. Um, and I just, I felt really in, I felt really good about that conversation with her and several of the other people in Kuru about that, about how that all works together. And we all kind of teased these meanings out of the story after I kind of asked my weird question about, does anybody else think they're like really old gods? <laughs> way older than the stories and that they might actually be whatever. And so then we got into this conversation. So that's where that was. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. I don't know if either of you have things you want to say about what I learned or what I was processed over there or not. No, I'm glad you got more insight, but I want to hear what Carrie has to say. Willow has to say. I actually um, obviously didn't articulate that as well as, um, you just did, but I had some of those thoughts and I had written down it not as uh, battle and bounty, but I had written it down basically as life and death being intimately connected and death giving way to rebirth and new beginnings and, you know, the tearing of things down and, and building up of something new. And so that's what I, I think that what, you guys talked about there was was excellent and and I'm resonating with that and that's all I want to say about that <laughs> well good I just thought it was interesting because we all we me and a couple other people and we're kicking this ball around and as we kicked it around discussing it between the three of us it or four of us and some other folks popping in and out of that that conversation with their two cents, it really kind of boiled down to this idea that balance of the, and I wonder too, I'm just going to throw this out there and maybe any of them who listen can give us some feedback on this, but it's also that thing between the frenzy of battle and the ecstasy of pleasure. Ooh, yes. Cause if you read like Dagda, like he's really, he likes to drink too much and eat too much. Mm-hmm. He likes to have sex with everything. He's sort of like Zeus, but way nicer. I I feel that. And um and sweet. He's sweet and comical about it and his, you know, attempts to seduce, but then he wins, you know, usually. And that whole walking around everywhere with his penis out, I just find that wildly <laughs> amusing. This is like his his thing. So he's clearly, you know what I mean? So you think about him as sort of almost like a bacchanalian. Yeah, kind of. You know what I mean? Vibe. Oh, definitely. And yeah. and then she, and she's you know the other frenzy, right? We get the two frenzies, which I think is just like super cool. I just I, it was a great conversation because it like just sort of 
mind blown. I, I, I imagine that was the meme with the brain and there's like a little static electricity on, you know, there's a little bit of activity and then there's more and then there, you've seen these memes, right? And it progresses mm-hmm. to yep. the mind blown part at the end of sort of like how this conversation went. It was really good. So anyway, that's it. That's all I have to say. And I, I'm glad, Carrie, that it made sense to you. And I'm just cool. We're all kind I, of vibing on the same. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, I mean, I haven't been at all quiet about the fact that the lore is not my strong suit, but I have those um, deep feelings that of certain things I just can't put the names to. Right. And that really resonated with me. And I look forward to delving into that more. So do I. So do I. So River, did you have any thoughts? Uh, Nothing that applies like lore wise, mostly that like, I feel like fucking and fighting is a classic combo. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. So it makes yeah. perfect sense that they would also appreciate. <laughs> yes. 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 I like that. So. All I mean, right, that so. speaks to a very like base part of the human nature, right? I feel like well, that's a theme throughout like every single civilization is that those two things where you're like sort of getting the blood pumping, they're not so different in some ways. Well, you know, they're a universal human experience at that mm-hmm. light at you know, even now, right? Absolutely. So, you know, there, it's, it's just, and that's the beauty of those things is they remind us of that, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to like diss on other religions too much, but I think when religions skip away too much from embracing humanity, what really is like human behavior and humanness I feel like they become too esoteric. Um, that's my argument against monotheism in the Judeo-Christian, the religions of the book sort of way, is that there's just so much of the humanity of us that gets lost to this idea of upholding a deific perfection or attempting to to become or attempting to emulate a deific, deific perfection of chastity, justice. I mean, you know, these these weird, I hate saying that. I don't mean that in a judgment way, although it's just sounded very judgy. But, but holding oneself to this non-human ideal of behavior and cultural response is just difficult for me to embrace. I think it's probably one of the main reasons that Christianity never stuck for me. I get very uncomfortable with the idea of like separating us as like, I guess as non-animals, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It feels inauthentic to me. And I think the human spirit is like flawed and beautiful because of its flaws. So yeah, I don't really relate to the idea of like a higher calling in terms of perfection. Right. Right. I even have, this is the same reason I have problems with Eastern philosophy too, at least in the way that most Westerners portray it. Because I don't don't think that's how things are on the ground often just. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I have spent a good amount of time listening to Alan Watts. And um, I read the prohibition against knowing who you are probably 15 years ago already, cover to cover. It was the first book on Eastern philosophy I really understood. But at the same time, and while I agree with a lot of what Watts has to say, I also feel like anything that has to be so esoteric removes us from the world we live in mm-hmm. in a way that is unhelpful and denies reality. So I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I get it and I appreciate a lot of it and I see it more as a value as a psychological construct, Buddhism and, and that Eastern view of our psyche and how we treat other people for sure. But there's, you know what I mean? I just feel like it, it's too out there sometimes for being in the world we live in. Which is why paganism is awesome because, you know, you end of the day, you can, everything can be fixed by stripping naked, rolling around in the dew in your grass and drinking a, <laughs> a bottle of wine. I mean, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> it's sometimes you just need to do it. Sometimes you just need to give in to that primate brain. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say basically primal screen therapy except with flowers. Yes, 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 that. All right, folks, sorry, we kind of waxed. No, I'm not sorry. We waxed philosophical and glory and deep for once, really deep sort of about the Morrigan and paganism and our thoughts. So we were going to transition at this point into discussing spiritual housekeeping, but not the way you're thinking right now, or maybe maybe exactly how you're thinking. Um, <laughs> Since we're going through what we're all going through right now collectively, which we didn't really want to discuss till the end of the episode because everybody needs some sunshine and light right now. Um, witchcraft, of course, has a billion ways, folklore ways and others, to clean one's house in the spring, both mentally, physically, emotionally, and like your actual environment. And we were going to talk some about that, about what are our own practices for you know, cleaning out the dust, the cobwebs in our brain from winter to make ready for spring and summer. And then how we do it like magically, if we do special stuff with our altars or our tools or, you know, that sort of stuff. So since I put Willow on the spot at the beginning of this, and she just put River just put Willow on the spot again, I think it's time to time to put River on the spot. So go. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I don't know. I have a hard time. Like, I guess for me, um, hold on, coalescing. I feel immensely unburdened. Like I have a little bit of an addiction to getting rid of things, getting rid of clutter. And that also makes me feel less spiritually cluttered. So for me, it's like a very tangible process where I'm getting rid of things like that is immensely satisfying to drop stuff off at a donation site. Um, I'm making a sourdough starter and a scarf right now. And like, there are ways to do spiritual housekeeping. But for me, those go hand in hand, because it's what makes me feel good. Right. And what makes me feel clean. 
Um, because I have generalized anxiety disorder. And so when my environment is messy, I just don't function well. That is exactly what I was going to say as well, especially if it's my altar. And we know for a while there, I didn't have one at all. Now I have one. But if, again, I have one again. Um, When my altar is a mess, if it's gathering dust, if I haven't been to it in a while, um, if it is stagnant, so so is my mental capacity and and i and i am a mess so that's where i start um is making sure that i take care of my altar um and then um you know doing some deeper cleaning around the house i don't generally do um anything i don't know witchy uh, i don't think with it it's very practical for me, um, but spiritual at the same time. I'll put on spiritual music or um, listen to a podcast or something while I'm cleaning. Um, the other night, actually the last couple of nights, I have just put on some uh, instrumental music and uh, did some coloring of man- mandal. I can't say that word. Mandal- Mandalas. Thank you. um and i'll light a candle you know and just have some soothing relaxation time to clear my own mind that that is my mind's housekeeping right jordan give us some ideas jordan god damn it river (laughs) what are you do you do any like pre-thinking pre-gaming while you're doing these drop-offs do you like is it a conscious thing in your head about the chain of abundance there that you're letting go for you're, you're making space for new things. Do you like have that? And is there, is there like, do you have a ritual for that? Like, even if it's just a mental one. Um, I do sort of like, as I pull up to the drop off, because I have a couple of places that I go to regularly because this is like a problem that I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> I sort of like mentally, I guess like sort of Marie Kondo it, but in a slightly more spiritual way, just be like, I'm glad that these things were here when I needed them. And I really, really hope that they serve other people well. Mm-hmm. And I tell my kids that too. Sometimes we'll go and drop off old toys alongside other things and they'll go, oh, I want that back. And I'll say, remember how you haven't played with it in a year? And They'll go, oh, yeah, okay, and I'll say somebody else is going to get to enjoy it, and let's think about what that somebody else might do with it and what they might get out of it and what that person might be like. So that sort of creates a greater, I guess, spiritual consciousness around getting rid of shit. Right, right. It does, and that's amazing that you do that. That's a problem I have. I'm I'm not a hoarder. I am a hoarder. I don't know. I, I'm a half hoarder. Does that make sense? I think it's You're a hoarder bug. To hold on to it's stuff. Not a hoarder. Emotional security, you know? Right. I did this last year, last um, spring. I am a clothes hoarder. This is something mm-hmm. that has been a thing for me. I literally made a list and I said, you can have 10 pairs of socks, 10 pairs of underwear, 
10 pairs of jeans, three pair of dress slacks. I like went down. So I broke my, my clothes down to a hundred items. Which is still a pretty sizable wardrobe. It is, but it's not as much as you think really. So like a hundred items period. And then I made a special pile for the special things you just can't get rid of. And I said no more than 15 or 20 of these. Right. So like something you wear to a funeral and that kind of thing. I still had 32, 32 gallon garbage bins full of stuff to get rid of. Like, like lawn and leaf bag size things. (laughs) How many of those? Huh? How many of those? Two of them. Wow. And so like, that's a lot. Like, and Nathan really helped me. My my son really helped me do that. Like, go through it. Like, sort it. It was really hard. Like, I, mm-hmm. I it caused a lot of anxiety for me because I've always, I think I got this from my mom who has always had kind of yo-yo weight too. And what happens if I get I gain ten pounds and I need those jeans? What happens if I lose five pounds and I need those jeans? Like, I feel that. So there's this, like, and being poor, like, this is another thing. It's like growing up poor. I think this is part of where my weird hoardy comes from is you don't know when you might need that. That's very true. And I also think that's why, like, sort of the trend of minimalism in our culture is bullshit garbage. Because minimalism, like, as it as a sort of extravagant show-offy lifestyle uh, is extremely privileged. And so I don't think it's bad to like keep things, but for me, I feel unburdened when I get rid of things. Right. Well, it was weird after I got done with it and I realized that I had two laundry baskets worth of clothes. So I had two, basically had three loads of laundry to do for everything I owned. So I, that was so amazingly freeing. I cannot tell you like, it was like, okay, bras, underwear, and socks, one load, right? Colors and jeans. And it's like it, and it was so nice. It was like, wow, like literally I can't get like so far behind that in laundry that I have clothes that I haven't seen in like a year because I haven't washed them or they're still at the bottom of a basket um, folded. And since the last time I washed them and I haven't put them away because I, it was just incredible to like reclaim that for Mm -hmm. myself. So that was like my spring project last year for spring cleaning was to sort through all of that and get and get it. I had still haven't got it out of the house. It's in the <laughs> house, which is crazy. But you know, I, maybe when we are no longer social distanced, I will come up and we can go take it. drop that somewhere. Yeah, so let's so it was like just amazing to do that. But I used to and I still do to some extent, although I haven't like mood wise been able to get there just yet. But I used to do a lot of witchy stuff for house cleaning. And I, I ought to get more into it again. I've forgotten. But like this is where my, I love my folklore-ness. This is R- Willow told me once a long time ago that I know more useless facts than anyone she knows. And <laughs> I am like into I'm a nominal wannabe folklorist. And so I love reading old weird grimoires and old like spell books just for the pure enjoyment of reading them. Like some people read, I don't know, uh, in, well, 
cookbooks. I don't read cookbooks. I have read cookbooks. Don't get me wrong. I love food, but I really like to read old spell books. So I picked up like all kinds of weird things, but like there's the whole thing about when you do your house and I do this, when I do the house and I do the walls and I do the windows, I clean the house. I go counterclockwise Mm -hmm. from the North in my house around because I'm banishing, you know, last year's dirt and the negativity that's accumulated from the last year or, you know, bad luck from last year, whatever it is, like I'm working this sort of thing in my head, right. That I am releasing and banishing dirt in all of its forms, both psychological, spiritual, and physical. But then when I go around that and I do the needifying and the moving around of furniture, the rest of it, I tend to do that clockwise around the house. So this is, in my head, you know how I do it. And I also use really simple things like vinegar and ammonia because instead of like major cleaning stuff, because these things are known actors too in magic to break bonds. If you wanna- I love vinegar and I also love putting shit in it. So like my favorite smells are like <laughs> basil and rosemary, anything that smells clean and just like borderline medicinal, that is my shit. And it feels very yes. spiritually cleansing too. Yes. And Scott Cunningham, one of the, I, he's my go-to for this sort of stuff because he's so great, but that's one of the things that works. So I have used pine salt too, because pine oil, pines are also cleansing and banishing. Pine as this is one of the reasons that it's used. Lemon. Yes. These scents are aromatherapeutic in terms of banishing and cleansing. Um, so there's that. So I love my favorite thing to clean with actually is lemon scented ammonia or lemon oil, you know, ammonia with lemon oil in it that I like to, you know what I mean? These are or vinegar for the windows that have that sort of thing because they think it's like, for me, it's very much rooted in that old school idea of like getting rid of the rushes, right? From winter uh, confinement, they used to, you know, sweep the rushes up and, you know, clean everything with, you know, ammonia or, you know, animal urine in some places that was saved, you know, because you can get uric acid when you, you know what you're doing. Yeah. So like all those sorts of things are part of that. And these are holdovers that are still constant today. I love that people can use lavender. They've moved to lavender to some extent, but there's so much fake lavender scented stuff when you clean houses now that it's like, that's not even, doesn't even smell like lavender. What the hell? Yeah. It just, it smells <laughs> icky, really. Yeah. But I love lemon for, and pine for those reasons, because they have that ancient association right and you know you hang hang these things or you use these things to clean um and these scents to like banish you know winter and the and the stagnancy and the congestion of everything you know that confinement of winter and so i love that and then bringing in the spring rushes bringing in new flowers and new scents and throwing open the windows and you know the currents of air like all that stuff for me is really conscious when i do spring house cleaning. And I can always tell when I've done it well and I'm good, then I start lighting the candles and I put on incense to like invoke or bring back into draw back into the house 
you know, yes, good energy and, and with the windows open and all that happening, even if it's cold in the house, I love it. As soon as it gets much above 40 and stays there, I like to do the whole open the windows. Oh, me too. It makes everything feel so fresh. So like for me, that's a big one, but there's so many cute things. And if any of you are listening, know some good folklore house cleaning things, we would love to see you tweet them at us. Really would love to because I and I will retweet. We can chit chat about it. But I love that. The other one is like when you sweep the floor to do it the same way, but don't sweep your stuff out over the threshold and outside unless you've had like maybe the spring for COVID or other things. You don't want to you don't want to sweep any good luck in the house out the door. I'd like to sweep some bad luck out. Is that, can I separate those different dust motes out? Do you think? Well, you know, you're, you're, you're sweeping and you know, your clockwise motion, scoop that stuff up, dig a hole in the backyard and just put it there instead of in your bin. That's just smart. That's just good thinking. You know, just to let the earth, like, you know what I mean? Share our burdens. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Let it dissipate. So I, I, I could see doing that. But like when we were talking the last time we recorded and I said something about binding, I'm really big on, you know, like binding things. And I have this sort of foul magic. This is sort of my thing is this weird folklore stuff that I kind of was raised with. And some of it I've just learned and other stuff just seems intuitive for me. That whole banishing and bane magic is a thing. So like what makes sense? It's like, yeah, it's like making a potato pop it of myself when I'm like, depressed and filling it with, you know, chart pieces of paper about all the bad messages I send myself and burying it in the backyard always makes me feel better. And maybe it's just witchy gestalt, but at the (laughs) same time, it works for me. So like, you know, that's that part of it is the intellectualizing of it. But then there's also the physical part of it, which is, I think where I'm a little bit of a creature of a creature. So it's like, I can't just intellectualize it. That's why I asked you, asked you river about the when you get rid of these things, do you have a prayer for that? Or is there a thing you're doing when you're doing it so that if you get the full pop of that, that, uh, what's the word? Sympathetic magic that you do? Cause I think that's like, gets so undervalued in our daily life. We tend to think of these very mundane things we do as not really having any portent in a magical way. But if we do it intentionally, it's deeply affecting and magical. I love to bake too as like sort of, especially in the spring. And I know a lot of people associate baking with the winter. And of course, like I do holiday baking, but as soon as it starts to warm up and get sunny, I love to bake all the things and sort of infuse those with intention. I don't think you have to do anything special except be conscious about it. Right. So I've got like a sourdough starter. I've never made a sourdough starter before. And I know it's like all the rage on Twitter right now for everybody to make their fucking sourdough starter because nobody can get yeast, um, which is exactly <laughs> why exactly why I made it. But um, every day you have to it's, – it's fun because it's almost like a daily meditation because you have to remove part of it and then feed it. And that feels very symbolic, right? Like right. scooping out these shitty thoughts and shitty habits – in ourselves, I'm working on some of those myself right now because I'm stuck in quarantine with uh, my soon-to-be ex-husband. 
and I'm away from some of the people I love and can't see them for the foreseeable future. And so I'm like using the sourdough as sort of a, like sourdough starter is sort of a grounding point where I say, okay, I'm scooping out this shitty feeling that I'm feeling and I'm dumping it down the drain. I'm rinsing it down and then I'm putting in fresh stuff. So I'm putting in stuff like I get this wonderful time with my children where I, you know, they're all in school now. And so I'm getting to see all the things that they've learned over the year and that kind of thing and just getting to spend more quality time with them. So I'm trying to put in fresh flour and take out the overgrowth of negativity. So just doing that can be like a, a... sort of daily spiritual meditation if you want it to be. I think I think um, our foremothers and forefathers, they had times where they were very, very busy just keeping the family fed and keeping things clean and keeping that engine going. Right. And so they, I think over history, lots of people have sort of like put their intent into daily preparations and mundane chores. Right. When I am doing mentally well, I that is exactly like my my spiritual self is to, you know, think intentionally when I'm taking a shower that I'm cleansing, you know, when I'm doing the dishes, which I don't have to do right now, which is kind of nice, but you know, <laughs> even if I was doing the dishes, um, those sort of what I guess what I call a, a practical magic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Lost my train of thought, but. I think that's good, though. But I think it's important for us to remember that. And like for those of us who are at home right now and don't have a lot to do, we all have got that one junk drawer or that one storage room or that whatever that we keep putting off and our anxiety about our world right now and what's going on. I just feel like, cause I've felt this very strong desire to be creative right now and also to do the cleaning thing. It's like coming on. Mm-hmm. It, it's, since we are all like this is a great way to alleviate our anxiety with what we're dealing with right now, I think is that mastery of it. And if we can use this opportunity that we have under quarantine or elsewise to imbue this act, like, okay, I'm going to tackle the coat closet this today because I I'm on day 12 of, you know, <laughs> day 12 of quarantine and I've run out of YouTube videos and Netflix is, I'm now spending hours in front of Netflix looking for something to watch. Um, So I have nothing left to do. Take that, make that, I would make that psychological and spiritual connection that I'm cleaning this closet right now. Let's, let's also say, what is it in, I'm, in my head I'm holding on to that this closet represents? That while I'm cleaning it, I can let it go, right? Absolutely. Because we have a terrific opportunity to do that right now, as long as we're healthy, right? I'm not shaming anybody who's not well, but, and for those of you, you know, those folks that are working their butt off and aren't on quarantine, right? They're out there being essential workers. But for those of us who are stuck and are climbing the walls, this is an opportunity to really 
use that practical magic and intention to tackle things that um, our busy lives before allowed us to ignore. Mm -hmm. And spring's a great time for that. We can hitch our, our wagon, our spiritual wagon to the energy of the season, right? Absolutely. So yeah, we want to hear any of your cool folklore house cleaning stuff, stuff you do. We want to know. We're inquiring minds. We'd love to hear it. Because I think that stuff is super interesting. People, everybody's got their little methodologies, which is in particular about whatever. And I just think it's fascinating. I love it. I love it. I would I would also like to shamelessly steal it. So right? yeah, yes. I may do that too. We <laughs> might do that here and there. We might nick some of these really great ideas. Um, and we'll I give think, you credit too. We will. We we'll, we'll mention it. We'll mention <laughs> it on air even. So I use so-and-so at, what you call it, at Twitter. Um, you said to do this. I did it. Oh, my God. Right? So we'll, we'll, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. <laughs> yes. So that was the next part of our thing. And I think to finalize the show and not to end on a down note, because we don't intend to do that either. But I think we need a moment to acknowledge what is going on outside our quarantined doors. And I know that Willow has prepared. She's been doing a lot of thinking on this particularly, and she has good reason to, which for those of, again, for those of you who follow us on Twitter, you understand why I mentioned what Willow's been going through. And, and because she's not going to pat herself on the back, I'm going to pat her on the back. Willow is a income maintenance worker for the state that we live in. And as you can well imagine, with 3 million people applying for unemployment and whose insurance is tied to their unemployment, their employment and who know that they're not going to have the money to pay their COBRA payments or don't have COBRA payments available to them, a way to do that anyway. They are calling and applying for Medicaid, calling to apply for food stamps, calling to find out if there's rental assistance, calling their county income maintenance across this country looking for help. Even for childcare funds for those that are essential workers and now have no childcare, they're desperate. And Willow is answering those phone calls. And no, she's not a nurse, so she's not getting in harm's way. She's doing this from home, but it is hard in the trenches work that is both emotionally and psychically draining. And so I want to give her a huge shout out and pat on her back for doing the work that others can't for people who need her and everyone who works with her and people, any of you who work in the same sort of business as her that are listening to us or your relatives or your family or your friends that are going through this. This is a huge shout out to you folks. Cause I can't imagine that getting tearful phone calls and angry phone calls all day and not being able to help everybody who calls is an easy, fun or spiritually fulfilling experience. So Thank you for doing it. Thanks, Ray. Um, I guess I, I just think about it, you know, like I said about practical magic. Helping is, to me, practical magic. That's where I find my spiritual center in, is in helping. And I can do that with my job, which is 
nice. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know the Irish lore all that well yet. And I don't know if I consider myself to be a witch, but I know that fighting for people's lives doesn't include just a literal battlefield. And so that that's that's where I find my warriorship is in is in the helping. Um so I I did do a little research on um uh we'll put some links in the in the show notes for places that you can visit for more information. Um I've got uh, a few, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. They have uh, a guide for COVID questions. There's a PDF file that you can locate on their website um, that kind of answers, you know, this, the questions that most people are wondering about. Um, there's the National Association of School Nurses. There is, are links uh, on that website, including a section on talking to children about COVID-19 and it is available in a number of languages. Um, the National Association of School Psychologists, uh, there are health crisis resources and a list of practical things that parents can do uh, and how to respond in the best interests of children. So those are a few of the links that we'll add up in the show notes. Um, for people who want something academic in nature, there's nap.edu, the National Ac Academies Press. They have coronavirus resources. Um, you can read them online or you can download PDF files. Uh, and the ncoa.org, National Council of Aging, has resources for professionals. Um, then I know that uh, Raven and I, the other night, were kind of talking, or maybe it was another day. I don't know what day it was. They all run together right now when you work from home. Um, talking about mask sewing, I have seen things both directions on that, whether, um, whether it's good to sew masks or whether it's not to sew masks, whether they can use them or not. So... I would suggest to contact your local health department and see if they're taking them. And that that's where I'd start with that. But also I think Raven had a website or a Facebook group or something that she can probably put up in the show notes. Um, Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin right now has a, there's a concerted effort at least in Western Wisconsin through a group in Eau Claire that is, putting together masks, Joanne Fabrics here in um, Eau Claire and La Crosse and a couple other places are giving out free materials to make those masks at curbs curbside pickup during regular business hours. And they are getting distributed to nursing homes and some of the other places for our vulnerable populations who need them. There is still some conversation here, at least in the Western side of the state, 
about whether or not hospitals are going to be allowed to use them or clinics are going to be allowed to use them. From what I have seen coming out of New York, it won't be long before they decide that they will just take them. I know that right now, several hospital company, hospital conglomerates have said they will not take them. But I know that in New York, nurses are wearing garbage bags and other things for PPE. We're starting to run up against a beggars can't be chooser situation, unfortunately, which is disgusting, yes. but it is what it is. I believe in um, Washington state, they are taking, there's a, there's a group that are taking them there and distributing them. I think um, you'll have to check um, in your various states. So if you have a sewing machine and you know how to sew, there are tons of patterns out there. There is probably a Facebook group in your location um, or in your state at the very least that you can search and find these folks and get hooked up with them. And because I know that the Joanne here is doing this curbside, you can pick up, they have them in, in kits, like packages. You get quilting material. Too, yeah. yeah, you get quilting material, bias tape, um, and thread, I believe. All the things you need. And I think the inside part too, because you there's it's a it's a double layered or a triple layered mask that you're making. They have everything in the bags. It's all set up. You go, you drive up, they you honk, they bring you out a bag and you take the bag home, you sew them up, and then there's a drop place usually set aside where then they're picked up and they're sanitized and then distributed. So but you can check these things out on um Facebook. So if you've been feeling like you want to do something to help other people, but you don't know what, this is definitely something you should do some, some looking online and see if you can get involved in. It would another place to put all of your anxiety about what's going on right now is to like, like Willow said, is helping other people can really be a huge, huge part of that. So that's my bit. And I'm going to shut up so she can go back to talking. <laughs> I just I, had a little oh, tiny bit of input, which is that I know at least in Oregon and I think in most states, a lot of schools are doing the free school lunches just like they do during the summer. And um, so parents are not able to pick up the lunches and breakfasts and they're, and kids can't come get it themselves. So like the parent and child or an adult and child have to be together. And so if there's any way, like say you're in a neighborhood where, you know, there are a lot of children who receive free lunch um, or I think right now it's any child can get free lunch. Like, don't be afraid to carpool if that makes sense, because sometimes access is the biggest hurdle. Absolutely. I have heard uh, locally here, so that I'm sure this is happening in in most, if not all, states. Um, just in general, volunteering um, in a social setting is is has decreased because people are scared and um, they want to want to, or have to be at home with their families or, um, uh, but there are at least a number of uh, homeless shelters in our area that are seeing a decrease in volunteers. There are food and supply drives that um, need volunteers um, specifically for uh, like housebound elders. Um, and obviously anyone with medical training. Um, so 
if you can reach out to uh, your local social services or your, your health department and just if you want to put yourself out there and, and help, there are ways that you can. Um, then I just wanted to uh, say a huge thank you to everybody that is on the front lines. And I have a list of uh, people that I want to go through um, but and say thank you to, shout out to. But um, if, if your profession is not on this list, I, I'm sorry that I didn't add you in. Um, but know that from the bottom of my heart, and I can't speak for the other ladies here, but I assume that they would feel the same, that we thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, to the nurses and doctors, the lab technicians, the phlebotomists, the emergency responders and other medical staff uh, who take care of us at the risk of their own health and safety. Thank you to the farmers, the grocery store employees, the truck drivers for keeping our grocery stores stocked with foods and other essentials. Thank you to the, to the uh, delivery drivers, uh, bank tellers, gas station attendants, IT professionals for keeping us connected through the internet, even if we can't be together in person. Absolutely. Thank you to social workers, income maintenance workers, uh, nonprofit and civil service workers, uh, care staff for the elders and other vulnerable pop populations. Uh, thank you to the sanitary workers, utility workers, and everyone who is working together to keep things going. Um, the, the collective we will get through this. There is going to be loss and tragedy and we need to acknowledge this and mourn, but I feel strongly that the collective community spirit will rise. So thank you. Agreed. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and as much as this is a terrible, terrible situation, I think there's also a huge opportunity here that we would all be fools to ignore, which is, our whole lives could change really there. I mean, there's so many things we're doing for several weeks or most likely months that are going to be so different from our daily lives. And quite frankly, I hope some of those things don't go back to the way they were. Agreed. I think we have an opportunity right now to challenge our own perceptions of ourselves and how we, how we act in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we discussed that, that, and I think it's a perfect um, analogy for what we're going through, that balance of battle and bounty and the ecstasy of the frenzy of battle and the ecstasy of pleasure and enjoyment, and also understanding that it's the destruction and creation, and we are going to lose things and people, and we're going to lose systems. We're going to lose a lot through this process, but we, that means that we have the ability to replace those things that weren't working the best in the first place. So the things that we have limped along on that we have lost in terms of the way we do healthcare, the way that we take care of vulnerable populations in times of stress, the way that we look at and treat what we used to call low wage earners. 
we have an opportunity to, because that system's all being torn down now, we have an opportunity to replace it with something better. I agree with what you both have said in that regard, and that's something we, I hope that we all are keeping in mind while we're seeing what actually doesn't work in our society so that we can remind ourselves when this is over that we need to replace it, not just go back to business as usual. Definitely. I had I, I something to send us out with. It's not one of my poems. I wish I had wrote something this clever. But I want to send us out with this poem by Diane De Prima, which for those of you who are familiar with beat poets, she was one of the few female beat poets. And this poem um, of hers is called Life Chant. And so I'd like to share that with you in our closing for today. Cacophony of small birds at dawn. May it continue. Sticky monkey flowers on bare brown hills. May it continue. Bitter taste of early miners' lettuce. May it continue. Musics on city streets in the summer nights. May it continue. Kids laughing on roofs, on stoops, on the beach, in the snow. May it continue. Triumphal shout of newborn. May it continue. The deep silence of the great rainforests. May it continue. Fine austerity of jungle peoples. May it continue. Rolling fuck of great whales in turquoise ocean. May it continue. Clumsy splash of pelican into smooth bays. May it continue. Astonished human eyeballs squinting through aeons at astonished nebula who squint back. May it continue. Clean snow on the mountains. May it continue. Fierce eyes clear of light. Sorry. Fierce eyes clear of light of the aged. May it continue. Right of birth and of naming, may it continue. Right of instruction, may it continue. Right of passage, may it continue. Love in the morning, love in the noon sun, love in the evening among the crickets, may it continue. Long tales by the fire, by window, in fog, in dusk on the mesa, may it continue. The night music. May it continue. Grunt of mating hippo, giraffe, foreplay for snow leopard, screeching of cats on backyard fence. May it continue. Without police. May it continue. Without prisons. May it continue. Without hospitals, death medicine, flu and flu vaccine. May it continue. Without madhouses, marriage, High schools that are prisons, may it continue. Without empire, may it continue. In sisterhood, may it continue. Through the wars to come, may it continue. In brotherhood, may it continue. Though the earth seem lost, may it continue. Through exile and silence, may it continue. With cunning and love, may it continue. As woman continues, may it continue. As breath continues, may it continue. As stars continue, may it continue. 
May the wind de- min- may the wind deal kindly with us. May the fire remember our names. May spring flow, rainfall again. May the land grow green. May it swallow our mistakes. We begin the work. May it continue. The great transformation. May it continue. A new heaven and a new earth. May it continue. May it continue. See you next time, guys. That was so beautiful. I got chills. Holy shit. Yep, Yep, me too. It's a great poem. Yeah, it is. It was perfect. We welcome your thoughts, comments, and suggestions through any of the following media. You can follow us at Twitter at AttemptingMurd1, at WordPress at AttemptingMurderPodcast.wordpress.com, on Pakenspace at Pakenspace.net slash AttemptingMurderPodcast, or via email at AttemptingMurderPodcast at gmail.com. Attempting Murder has been written produced, and presented by R. Van Alstyne, Kay Lawson, and Jay Hagar, and is subject to copyright. The opinions expressed on attempting murder are as presented by their contributors and are not attributed to anyone else. The theme for attempting murder is Easily by Johnny Grimes and is available at SoundCloud slash Johnny Grimes. Creative Commons attribution for it is 3.0. The music is promoted by Audio Library on YouTube. Attempting Murder is available through the following outlets. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Podchaser. Please, if you find us at any of these or any other outlets, if you have enjoyed the programming, hit the like button and subscribe. Story.